Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. your Bible with you. Let's lift it up. Let's make our confession today as we go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. And I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, shout amen, amen. and a hallelujah. Amen. amen. Let me zero in to where I'm supposed to be here today. Okay. I want to share with you just for a few minutes this morning as we talk together and uh, growing in God's Word. You can see the little overhead slide there that produced for me there. And I want you to think about that. Where are you at? I don't think as children of God we're supposed to be stagnant or stagnated or stopped, but we're supposed to be continuing and continually increase, continuing to uh, do the things that Lord wants us to do. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Daniel that they that know the Lord shall be strong and do exploits. It didn't say those that know the Lord would be weak and not do anything but be strong and do exploits. Turn with me in the scripture to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Now, before we get there, let's just sort of think just for a few moments at what we're talking about doing today. Growing in God's Word. Another way you could say it would be developing the Word of God in us. When we think about the combination of those words, particularly developing the word, it means we make active the word, or we promote it to grow, and we cause it to unfold gradually. I mean, we don't learn it all overnight. You didn't get saved, and all of a sudden, you were the greatest Bible scholar that ever lived. You didn't get saved, and all of a sudden, the Word was working mightily in you. Uh, at, at that point, it began to. It was a seed, and it began but we begin to grow in the things of God. Sometimes people think I made a trip down the aisle and got saved and that's it. I'm done now. No, you just started. You just got started living for the Lord. And Scripture teaches us, when we look in the Scripture, we see so many times it talks about growth. Let me give you this. You don't have to turn there, but the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10 that we ought to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing... In the knowledge of God. So I'm not supposed to decrease in the things of God. I'm supposed to increase in the things of God. I was a song many years ago. said, I love you more today than yesterday. And we talk about that in, in the realm of understanding the things of God. And our walk with God. And our relationship with God. You ought to be closest to God you've ever been. 
You shouldn't look back and say, hey, wow, when I first got saved, I felt so close to God. Well, I hope you did. But you need to maintain that closeness with God. Or when I first came and got saved, I was so hungry for the Word of God. I was thirsty for the things of God. I hope you were. But you need to maintain that hunger and that thirst. The Bible tells us they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, in Matthew 5, they will be filled. And so I've got to do my part of hungering, thirsting, following after, calling after the things of God, following after the things of the Lord, and just seeking God in my life and seeing increase, not, not decrease, but, but increase in our lives. And so another verse tells us this in, in Hebrews, Paul said it this way. He said, some of you folks, here's what you've done. This was a problem. He said, verse 11, he said, I've got many things to say to you in Hebrews 5. He said, and it's hard to be uttered seeing you're dull of hearing. You ever got dull of hearing? Had to sort of blow out the cobwebs. You get up in the morning, you know, and you're, ah, grousing, those kind of things like that. Uh, I, I wake Sheila up in the mornings, and I wake her up, and I say, you up? Yeah. You getting up? Yeah, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I come back in. I hadn't moved yet. Sheila, you getting up? Oh, you hadn't moved at all. But anyway, and finally she gets up and gets out. And I like to get up, and I, I'm probably just as drowsy as she is when I get up, but I like to sort of mess with her a little bit when I get up. And so I get up, and I jump out of the bed, and I land on my feet, stand up, and I say, it's going to be a great day today. You know, something like that, sing a song, and it sort of irritate her when she's been asleep, that kind of thing. But you know what? Really, don't go to either of those two extremes, probably. But still, you should be growing every day of your life and not dull of hearing, not where you need the cobweb sort of washed out of your mind and spirit, that kind of thing. But be open and alert and alive, ready to go and ready to hear the things of God, open in spirit the things of God. And Paul said that, you know, here's the thing. You folks are dull of hearing. In verse 12, he said this, for when the time was that you ought to have been teachers, not, not just somebody listening all the time, but you should have been the person that listened. And then after you listen, you ought to be teaching someone else. You ought to be a teacher. And he said, but now the problem is you've got need that one to teach you again. In other words, we've been taught one time, but teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. But he said, problem is, become such as have need of milk and not strong of meat. And, you know, that's going to be a problem always in the church of the living God as long as we as a church remain in baby fashion, in baby form, as long as we stay there in our infant stage of life, we'll never really do anything for God. We'll always be looking for somebody else to do something for me. What can you do for me? I'm here today to find out what you can do for me. All right, you know, I like this attitude sometimes. They say, you know, come in and say, all right, preacher, here I am. Bless me if you can. I, you know, I, I love to have that when I sense that or generate that kind of spirit or whatever. I love that because I, I love a challenge. I love a fight. I love to move people and encourage people. But, you know, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be that way. What we ought to be is a person that goes after the things of God. And when we learn something, be challenged to share that with somebody else and teach and move on with the things of God. Not just staying in one place. Everybody say, increase. increase. Everybody say, grow. grow. You need to grow in the things of God. Increase in the things of God. Don't, don't be, uh, you know, commonplace or just stay in a, a certain static position to where nothing moves and it's always the same and, you know, nothing's different about you. You're not learning new things. You don't have new understanding and new revelation of God. You need brand new revelation from God every single day. Jesus said it like this in the book of Matthew when he talked about uh, the temptation. Matthew chapter 4, he said this in verse 4. He said, we live by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, when he talks about the Lord's Prayer, he said, 
this, give us this day our daily bread. Not give us this week, not give us this month or year, but give us this day. Every day, the mercies of the Lord need to be new and fresh in our life every day. Seeking a new experience from God every single day in our life. How many wants that? Somebody say amen in the house. Amen. That's what I want. I want to be alive. I want to be turned on, excited, moved about God every single day of my life. I want people to be like the Bible says in the book of Genesis, I believe it's chapter 22. And the Bible says that Isaac sowed in the famine. And in the famine, he reaped a hundredfold. And it goes on down and it finally says, along about verse 12 or 13, that the Philistines envied him. And you and I want to live a Christian life to where people look at us and I envy you. Now, I want what you got. Is it going to be a hundredfold return? Well, maybe, whatever, that's fine. But, but you know what? God envies you. He wants the happiness that you've got in your life. He wants the joy that you've got. He wants the solidness about you. He wants that about you that lets you maintain yourself in goodness in a place before God where God's always doing something in your life. And we ought to live a life like that. And so we don't get there overnight, but we, we grow into that. And we learn and we grow and we increase in the things of God. And that's what the Bible teaches. Now, you're there in First Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Scripture tells us, Wherefore, lay aside all malice. You're not going to be angry mad at anybody. All guile, no bitterness, those kind of things. All hypocrisies. You're not going to say one thing and live one way and live another. All envies, that kind of stuff. We're not going to be mad when somebody else gets blessed of the Lord. We're going to be happy when somebody else gets blessed. Somebody say amen. amen. No envies. And all evil speaking... Not going to let any corrupt communication come out of our mouth or any kind of evil speaking come out of our mouth. No, we're going to guard our mouth. We're going to keep our tongue. And he says this, verse 2, as newborn babes. Newborn babies don't speak evil, do they? They don't have envies, do they? They don't have these things. Be like a newborn baby. What do we do? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Notice it. Grow. Something's going to cause growth in my life. I'm not going to stay at that level. I remember years and years ago when I got out of high school and went to a, a job in a plant or factory at that time. Uh, I think it was right about, what was it? it, must have been September. We got out of high school in uh, end of June. I played music all through the summer and finally said I would get a job. And so got a job somewhere along in September. And when I did that, I remember going in on that job and you would have somebody would train you. And somebody would walk with you. And somebody would show you the mechanics of how things work and how they operate and what you're supposed to do. And I just couldn't wait to the time that I'd get to the place to where I, they could tell the person who's doing the training me, hey, I don't need you anymore. Thank you for all that you've taught me, all that you let me learn. But uh, I don't need anymore. I can handle a job by myself. Amen. And I wanted to be at that place for my own integrity. But at the same time, the company better know I was going to get at that place because if I wasn't, they weren't going to keep that guy training me for the next 20 years of life. And some of us think when we get saved and come before God that we're just going to live at this baby stage forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But it's time they all grow up. Everybody say, grow up. Time we all grow up. Time we all grow up. Got to do it sooner or later, and this is the time right now. If you don't, you're going to miss the boat, and things are going to get really tough, really bad, really hard on you if you don't do it. So, so you've so you got to grow up. And notice what he says. It's by the Word of God that we do that. It's by the milk of the Word of God that we have its growth in our life. We have increase in our life. And so what I learn in, in Scripture and what the Bible says to me, for example, if I take again what A.J. mentioned just a few moments ago in our giving time, if I listen to the world, one of the first things the world wants to do is, is to give me you know, credit, get me started in credit. I remember when our children went to school, uh, college, one of the first things the colleges do on college day, I mean, you can have representatives from Visa and MasterCard and Discover and Diners Club and whoever has American Express all out there just handing out credit cards to those college students. 
I mean, they want to get you into the wonderful world of debt and the wonderful world of credit. And so the world teaches us that. The, the world teaches I was, went through Sam's the other day, and uh, this lady was talking with us, and she said she's selling a, a phone for AT&T. And I said, well, hold it, hold it, hold it. Before you say anything, let me tell you two things. Number one is I'm the most hard person in the world ever to, to, to buy something from you. You're really going to have to convince me. Number two, I don't buy anything today. I always think I'm going to study it and think about it before I do anything. She says, that's okay. That's okay. I can handle all that. I can handle a bit. And she said, look, we can get you this particular phone if you got this certain credit score. And she said, what's your credit score? I said, I don't know. I think the last time I saw it, 840, something like that. It's way up there. But, uh, but I, don't, I don't owe anybody anything. But she says, uh, well, you know, if you've got a credit score. So, so the world teaches us that we've got to have good credit or that you need credit or you can't do anything with credit. But when the Bible tells us we shouldn't owe anybody anything but to love him. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 that he read. And it tells us that uh, when we are in debt, we become a servant to that person that lended us the money. We have to begin applying those things to our life. Some of us are in a certain position of mind, certain position of heart, spirit, that we're not able to do it right away. Some things we have to, have to grow into. Because when you first realize that, you say, well, I've got to get rid of the debt i got now. So that might take you months and years for to get rid of the debt you got before you can move on. And so you have to grow into those kind of things. But if you stay the same thing, you'll just be in debt all the days of your life. I mean, you'll, you'll never do it. You have to grow. So that's just one example. Now, let me show you what some people do. When we grow by the Word of God, he talks about using the Word of God as milk, and the Lord just sort of spoon, spoon, uh, spoon feeds us and bottle feeds us the milk of the Word as it begins to come into our hearts and lives, and the more we get it. Let, let me say this, too. I, I hear this so many times. I'll have people say this to me different places. Uh, uh, people, some people watch online different things uh, uh, that I've gotten comments in several weeks on this very same thing. And they say, well, the Bible is just so hard to understand. And, and my comeback is, it's not if you'll start reading it. It's hard to understand because it's unfamiliar to you. You're in new territory. You're in new category of learning here. And it's really not that hard to understand at all. It's very simple to understand, I believe. But when you first begin looking at the things of the Bible, then maybe it is difficult for you to understand. Maybe it is not because you're foreign to it. It's just like, you know, hearing someone speaking Chinese or, or, or French or Japanese or different languages of the world, the Hindu. Uh, I have a Bible study that, uh, book that's done in Hindi uh, in India over there that they translated. And I can't read it. I got it in my, uh, but I can't read the thing. But if I stayed with it enough, I probably could learn to speak the Hindi language. But it's the same way with the Bible. The Bible is not hard to understand. You just have to start digging into it, getting it. And the more you get line upon line, precept upon precept, it becomes easier and easier and easier to comprehend and understand. And so we have to start with that milk. But that milk, later on, it becomes strong meat for us. And we can receive the, the strong things of God that God speaks to us about. Well, think about it like this. Some people, when they look at the Bible, here's what they do. They are at the beginner level, and they are at what I call a history level. Or they are at a past level. What does the Bible mean to people that are past level? Well, it means that you can look in there and it's the history of the Jews, they'll tell us. From, from Genesis to Malachi, uh, those 39 books of the Old Testament, that's the history of the Jewish nation. It is, it is. You'll find the history of the Jewish people there. They'll look at it and they'll say, what's well, the history of the life of Jesus? Well, it is that too. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the history of the life of Jesus. We see that there as well. That he, he gave us. And so you can look on, and even the book of Acts, we can find the history of the church. 
that we can see there. And a lot of people look at it like that. They will say, what can I learn from the Bible? Well, I can look in the Bible and I see Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I know that God created the heavens and the earth. I found that out in the Bible. It's a history. But this is something I know that happened because the Bible told me it did. Good to know that. I can look in there and I can see also in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 that God created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils, he became a living soul. I can find out that you and I were created by God. Good to know. Absolutely. Not a thing wrong in knowing that. It's good to know that you can go south in Israel and you can see the Dead Sea. It's good to know you can go north and you can run into the Sea of Galilee that has three names to it. Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Genesaret, or Sea of Galilee. All three names for the same sea, depending on where you live around that sea. Connected by the Jordan River. That's good stuff to know. Nothing wrong. But however, a lot of us come to that place and we only look at the Bible as something that tells us something about God or tells us something about uh, the Jewish people or tells us some about Christ Jesus or the geography of the land of Palestine, all these, and those good to know. But yet, that Bible doesn't seem to move inside them. Know a lot of stuff out there, but it doesn't really seem to get on the inside. They don't change how they live. They don't believe the Bible changes them at all. They're at a past understanding of Scripture. It is historic. You can find books many times, and they talk about finding the historic Jesus. Well, I'm sure that we could search and find the historic Jesus through history. People have done the same thing. Josephus, a man who wrote the history of the Jews, commented, who wasn't a Christian himself, about Christ Jesus' life. And it's in the history. Uh, Some of the Roman writings of that day as well are there. Eusebius, a church historian as well. Others that you could look at uh, have the history of Christ that's outside of the Bible. So we can find the history or the historic Jesus. But that is really not what changes our lives, knowing that he exists and he was there. What changes his life when that historic Jesus becomes a real person, comes into your heart and life, cleanses you of all manner of sin and unrighteousness, and begins to live his life through you. That is what will change your life. Okay? So we have to move on. We've got to grow. And so if we're at that place, if this is just a book of knowledge, it is. But if it's only a book of knowledge, if it's only that, we've, we've got to move on past that stage. We've got to grow into that thing a little bit more where it's not just a, a thing of this is what it is, but we have to learn some other things about Scripture. Well, there's a second stage. A second stage. Let, let me just sort of show you this one too and turn with me into a verse of Scripture. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and then verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6 and then verse 9, as I turn through this book of knowledge and this book of wealth and all the things that the Bible here has for us, it's unending. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we look at verse 9. Scripture tells us that, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Notice it says, Be not deceived. Okay? Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when I read that, I reckon that, hey, these folks don't inherit the kingdom of God. And some people will read an absolute truth passage. Not a doubt in my mind that's an absolute truth. But some of us go to the Word of God, and we only learn what I call the do's and don'ts of the Bible. Don't do this, Leon. Okay, it's, it's, it's a good don't do. That's fine. And I know I'm not supposed to do it and shouldn't do it. Other things the Bible tells me, do this, Leon. And I know all to do it. That's good. It's good to have those do's and don'ts from Scripture. But I need a little bit more than that. 
I need to go on to another level of not just saying, this is what I can do and what I can't do. If you live with the Bible basically like that, and that's where you stop, and you're understanding the Bible of what you can do and what you can't do, you really become miserable. Well, Because what happens, you see, quote-unquote, this world that we live in, and you see them, quote-unquote, having the time of their life and so much fun, and you can't do it. Is what you're thinking. Well, the Bible says I can't do that. The Bible says I can't do it. I remember many, many years ago, uh, a friend of mine, and we were at a, and this is one of the first times I played a little music at, uh, out in public. I was very young, very young at that time. I don't know. I, I'm thinking must have been, at this particular time, must have been maybe 12 years old. Very young. But anyway, playing this little party that we did. And I remember a guy was there, and he went to a church, and he was sitting there uh, with his uh, girlfriend uh, at this party. We were playing it, and a lot of other people around, too. And so he was there and uh, in the building. And... Uh, we took a break, and then when we did, I'm over and talking to him, and, and they're all fussing with him. And what he's fussing with them about is this, is why he is not dancing. And his reason it is, and he's not dancing, which fine with me, but his reason is why he's not dancing is, he said, because that church I go to said I can't. And I can understand some of that too, because some of the dances I've seen people do, I wish everybody can't. Somebody say, Amen. But at the same time, you know, my wife and I are at home or whatever. We might dance or something, you know, it's between us and God. But, but at the same time, he, he was saying, I can't. His little girlfriend was miserable and everybody else didn't understand what was going on. He kept saying, you know that church I go to, Leon, I can't. I said, yeah, I know where you go. And, and now they tell you you can't dance. I wasn't going to tell them yay or nay. At that point, I didn't know Jesus. I wasn't saved. didn't matter to me. I mean, but, but that's where, and some of us are like that. We see what the world's got going on. I wish I could do that, but I can't. Or I better not. Well, maybe, maybe you better not. Maybe, maybe that's a good can't. Maybe that's a good better not. After all, what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11, these things, the people doing these things, they ain't inheriting the kingdom of God. Everybody say amen. amen. But you don't just stop there with the do's and don'ts. Some of us get to that place in life to where we recognize that the Bible's a history book. We recognize that. But then we come to this place and now it begins to tell us I can and I can't. And again, don't, don't take that away and throw that away. I'm not saying throw away the history. I'm not saying throw away the past. I'm not saying throw away the thou shalt nots. I'm not saying throw away the thou shalts. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we understand that's part of the growth process. I mean, you know, if we think about employees that, that work for you, if you have an employee work for you, you say, all right, when you start to work here, here are the rules. You can do this and don't do that. Do this and don't do that. Brother James, there, the business they're in and catering, that kind of stuff, he's talked to me about their uh, employees sometimes, a little younger, sometimes that come through the uh, ranks there. And uh, they'll have to tell them what to do and what not to do. But you don't have an employee been working for you, you know, been working for a few days, you tell them what to do and what not to do. But you don't have them in his particular line of work. You don't have them working for you next month and the month after the month after the month after, and you still got to tell them every single thing to do and every single thing not to do. You expect that employee to learn something along the way and begin to apply some of those things themselves and then move on above that. If you got to continually just tell people what to do and what not to do, you spend all your time in that little infantile, babyish state. No, don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. Quit, quit, quit. Don't do that. And they never really grow on up to be what God wants them to be. How many understands that? Say amen if you do. And so we need to grow on up. And that's what the Bible does for it. It lets us grow. So we still don't throw those things away. 
Please don't think I'm saying that. We're not saying throw those things away. We understand the past. We understand the history. We understand what God says we can do and what He says we can't do. We understand those things. But we need to grow up and even move on past that point and past that place. Well, let me, let me show you something. Look with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, some people move on past that level, which is a good thing. Now, I'm not saying move away from it, but move on with it. Okay? In 2 Peter chapter 1, the, the Bible says this, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2 of 2 Peter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. How do you get grace and peace multiplied? Through the knowledge of God. Someone doesn't understand the grace of God, doesn't understand the peace of God. It's fine, I understand that. But how do you increase in that? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me that I'll increase in grace and peace. Well, not really going to do any good to pray for you to increase in grace and peace. Because what's going to do some good is this. It's multiplied through the knowledge of God. The more you know about God, the more you know about the Lord Jesus Christ, the more, then the more you're going to understand His grace and His peace. Amen. Verse 3 says this, Accordingly, as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how? Through the knowledge of Him. There it is again. Through the knowledge of Him. Jesus said, Come learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly. Come learn of me. I yoke my burden easy and light. Notice that. That have called us into glory and virtue. And, and sometimes, I'll tell you what, there is a, a great little video clip that you could look up online that you could see on YouTube. And uh, don't do it right now. But there's a good clip you can look up. And it's Dr. Fred Price when he is uh, preaching at ORU, uh, maybe Center. And he's there, and somebody <laughs> has just sung a song about coming up on the rough side of the mountain. And, and, and I don't guess it matters to say it. It's public knowledge. It was Carlton Pearson that sang it. And so Carlton's already taking a seat back, and everybody's happy. Dr. Fred's come out. And he comes, get right in, in, in Carlton's face, and he says to him, you know, he don't want to be singing that kind of trash in church. He said, the Bible said that Jesus said, come learn to me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. He said, you over here talking about riding up the rough side of the mountain. He said, get away from that stuff. I, I felt so bad for Carlton. Carlton must have sunk down in his seat about a foot and a half, you know. He did. And I, I said, Fred, I believe every single word you say, and I agree with you, but I don't know if that was the right place to say it or not. But anyway, you, you Fred, and I'm not. So anyway, but, but sometimes we need, to, we need to be told that we've got to learn some stuff through the knowledge of what God is doing in our life and what we hear in the Word of God, we get knowledge of, and then we stop doing stupid things. We stop doing those crazy things that we've done in our life. Stop, stop talking like we've been talking all this time. It's the most amazing thing that I've ever heard. There's two big, real big things in the earth right now that you hear all the time. I mean, well, maybe more than that that you hear. But they'll say things like this. Well, you can't judge me. That's the big one. You can't judge me. Don't you judge me. You can't judge me. Well, well the Bible does not, not the Bible tell us, do you not know that you will judge the angels? Not, and not less others that it talks about we're judging. And in the last days, we are lifted up before God in judgment with Him. We are judged ourselves at the cross if we're born again. And if not, we'll be judged at the white throne judgment for sinners. And so, you know, there's judgment that God does. And I don't judge anyone personally, but we understand what the Bible says, and the Bible judges them. Amen. All we do is read and understand what the Bible says, and it judges them just like it does me. 
And just like it does. So, but that's a common thing people have. Well, you can't judge me. You can't judge me. And the other one that people do is that God in control stuff. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, somebody can go out and kill 14 people. Well, God's in control. Somebody go out and everything hit this and hit that. Well, God's in control. And they don't understand that God is in control over all of all things. But the Bible tells in the book of Psalms. You can read the book of Genesis and see it as well. That God gave that control into the hands of the man. The Bible tells in the book of Psalms that the Lord has the heavens that he rules over, but the earth has he given into the hands of man. And so God's control is that he gave it to you, and you can do whatever you want to with it, good or bad, that kind of stuff. And, and they'll say things like that. They'll say things like, well, the will of God always gets done. It don't matter what I do. No. Remember the scripture when Jesus said to Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, how often I would gather you under my arms, you know, together you like a chick gathers uh, uh, its chicks before it, but you would not. Second Peter 3, 9, God is God who will have all men to be saved, but all men aren't saved. First Timothy 2, 4, same thing. And so you can see it again and again. People don't understand Scripture. They don't understand the Word of God. And then they make statements like that. That sound to the religious mind and to the unconverted mind sounds pretty much okay when they hear those kind of things. And so, you know, they're, they're always thinking. And when you have those kind of thinking in your life that's going on, that whatever will be, will be, this is it, and I can't do anything about it and you don't understand the teaching of Scripture, then you just go along and the world imposes on you whatever it wants to impose on you. But I'm believing that we are stronger than that. Somebody say amen. amen. We are. And now how do we get that way? Through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge. Look at verse 4. 2 Peter 1, 4. Whereby are given us exceeding and great and precious promises. Now listen very carefully. Exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. And right there in verse 4, that's one of the biggest things I get slack on. I hear people, you know, the bad math me continually about that. And, and that has to do with this. They'll say, oh, you can't protect God's divine nature. Oh, but he's God. Well, I'm not God, okay? I'm not. But God has placed his nature in me. Amen. And everybody that is born again. Notice it says, verse 4, giving us exceeding great and precious promise, that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature. It doesn't say you're not partaking of the divine nature. It said you can be a partaker of the divine nature of God. I mean, thank God. I mean, that don't lessen God at all. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord. I'll live forevermore to praise Him and love Him. I really will. He's everything to me. I bow my knee to Him every single day of my life. I, I cry wholly unto the Lord every day. I love the Lord. I recognize His greatness. I recognize who He's made me to be. I recognize what I'd be without Him. I'd recognize what I would be if I had to face this world and struggles and different things that I, that I do. Sheila and I went and got our physical to the doctor a week ago, I guess it was now, and our precious doctor talked with us, and he went through this, this, and this. He got this, got this. No, we got none of that. And all the way down to the end and that kind of stuff, and he said things like this. Well, I knew you all come out this way anyway. He said, because, you know, God's just really blessed you all. God has really, really blessed you. But God bless everybody if you allow him, not, not just us. Everybody, God will bless every one of us. And he's a good God, and I love him, and I thank him for it. But it is through that knowledge of him that we get to that place. We've got to grow in the things of God. Notice verse 4, we escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Amen. We escaped. We escaped. Now, notice the promises. Some people live at this promise level. Okay? I'm going to tell it to you two ways. They live at the promise level, which is a good thing, but there are some problems with it. Okay? 
Remember I've talked about some people in the Bible, they live at a place of his past, his history, just that. I've talked about the fact that the Bible tells us don't do this and do that. We, we live under do something, which, which the Bible does. All those things, all those are there. And now I'm telling you that the Scripture tells us that we can live in a place of promises. A place of promises. Here's the problem with promises is this, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Listen, I was reading a, a biography just this week by Gordon Lindsay, and Gordon Lindsay said this. He said, everybody has the promise, but not everybody has the fulfillment. Everybody has the promise, but not everybody has the fulfillment. And I need to go ahead and add to that, and it ain't God's fault. Okay? Everybody has the promise. The Bible promised us many, many things in Scripture. You can look and see the many promises of God that it's given us. And you know, not everybody has the promise that the Bible says that they can have. Although it is promised. And the connection to that is this. In the King James Bible, there's 1,522 little words called if. 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 God will save everybody if they will believe. He will save nobody that doesn't. Not one single person. Everybody, if they believe, nobody that doesn't. And you can begin to look at all the promises of God like that. I mean, look in Scripture. My, what does the Bible say in Isaiah 26 and verse 3? That he'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. Amen. Somebody says, I thought the Bible promised me perfect peace. It does. If you keep your mind stayed on him. Amen. And that's your part. My part is just to think on God. His part is to provide me with the peace. Amen. That's it. That's it. You can see in Scripture, the Bible says this, I'll never leave you or forsake you in Hebrews 13 verse 5. He said that so we could say it, what he said. We can look at Scripture when 1 Peter 5 and 7 says that he cares for us. Cast all our cares upon him. Why? For he cares for us. I don't feel like he cares. Well, have you cast your cares on him? Let, let me free you up this morning. Everybody say, I don't care. I don't care. And, you know, immediately the devil will rise up in you or immediately somebody else will rise up in your own thinking, my own thinking, what it might be. What do you mean you don't care? You're not compassionate? You don't care? You don't care? Well, you know what? We, we understand what Scripture said. We are anxious for nothing. We recognize there are needs in this life. We recognize there are circumstances or situations. But at the same time, we recognize we can't handle all of that. We, we can't do it all. So we're not going to take the care of something uh, in this life that we cannot be responsible for and we cannot care for. And so we give it to God, and the Bible says He will care for us. That's a great promise. We've got another promise. The Scripture says this, John 15, 7, If we abide in Him, and, and His words abide in us, well, that's what we will, and it be done unto us. And so that's a great promise of answered prayer. If you abide in Him, and if His words abide in you, you can see it. The Bible says in John 16, 3, the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Everybody say, no condemnation. No condemnation. All things work together for our good, Romans chapter 8, and verse 28. All things work for our good. I saw that in a, a book I was looking at earlier this week that uh, R.T. Kendall 
great, a charismatic Pentecostal type writer uh, from the Presbyterian church, so to speak. And uh, he uh, had written that in a book that he gave to me. But that's just it's scripture. All things work together for good. All things work together for good in my life. Everybody say, all things work together for good. And the Bible, the rest of that says, those are, are called according to his purposes. So if I'm in God's purposes and I'm God's will, I don't know what it looks like today, don't care. I know this, it's going to work out for my good. Why? Because all things work out to my good. Everything works out to my good. It all works out to my good. When W.R. Grace uh, sued me several years ago, it looked bad when they sued me, but it all worked out for my good. The most amazing, it worked out for my good. And so why? Because all things work out for our good. It works out for our good. Nothing separates from the love of Christ. Great promise. All these things, we can, I can go on. Philippians 4.19, God supply all your needs according to riches and glory. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, God's grace is sufficient for me. Uh, he's given me spirit of power and love and a sound mind, the Bible says. I mean, there's all kind of promises in the Bible. problem is everybody don't have those promises. They're made to everybody. They're true. They're real. It is God's will that we have these promises, that he's promised he will do for his people, but not everybody possesses the promises of God. And sometimes we get to that place. Now, you're at a better place when you start recognizing the promise of God because you've got hope for a future. You may not ever act like you really got it, but you've got hope for a future. You recognize the promise is out there somewhere. It's out there, and God's a good God, and he's made wonderful promises to me. Don't have it yet, but wow, that's a great promise. And so you've really moved from a place of, of recognizing uh, that the Bible itself is a book that tells you about history and the past, good, you went to a place and you looked in Scripture and you saw where the Bible tells you, uh, don't do this, do that. That's good too. Good to have standards in our lives and regulations of how we ought to live. And then we moved on to that place. Hey, there's a whole world out here that God has promised us that he will do in our life. Wonderful things God has said for us. And, that, and that's, I guess you might call it the third place. If you want to call it the college level of, uh, of, of in the Word of God, third place you might would be in the things of God. But you know what? There's a place that's beyond that. And that's a place that you and I really need to be in our life. Amen. All those are real. We keep those. It's just like going into your home. You might have three or four steps to get into your home. Well, you know, you don't want to do like I do a lot of times, just jump from the first step to the top step to get in. You want to take it one step at a time to get in. And just because you've got three steps, and you know, you don't say the first step I don't need, second step I don't need, I'll just do it with the third. No, have all of them. They build upon each other. And the same thing with the Word of God. That's what we call growing. It's not that any of the place, that we, it wasn't a bad place, that all you know is the Bible says God is and God created. That's not a bad place. That's a great place. That's a very good place for you to be. A wonderful place to be. But it still is just that basic place of all you do is you just know something. That's it. And then you come to that place where God says, don't do this, Leon. Do this. Well, that's good, too, to get the instruction from God, to know what I ought to do and what I ought not do. That's okay. That's okay. I, I can abide by that. I can live by that. It's good to say, Leon, you know, doing this, not doing that. Hey, I got some promises. This is what I'm going to do in your life. It's good to know there's promises. Amen. But you know what is better than that? And to build on not discounting anything before, but adding to all that I've said, the place we need to be is where you actually experience it. Amen. Not where you just know, or you know what you can and can't do, or you've got the promise of what can happen, but you've got the promises. You've got them in your life. You have the experience. You possess the promises of God in your life. 
It's when you come to a place and you begin to read the Bible and you see what the Bible says and you don't say, my, my, isn't that a wonderful promise? No, you look at it and say, thank God that's me it's talking about right there. That's me. The Bible just talked about me. You know what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. That's me it's talking about. I'm the one that doesn't fear any evil. That's me. I got it. I've experienced what the Bible said about fearing no evil. That is me. It's not the person, well, what a wonderful promise. If I could just get rid of all this fear, I'd be okay. Well, it is a wonderful promise. But it's also a reality to those who have received the promise. Many, many years ago, it's been now. I would often pray. When we first started the church, I'd pray about finances in the church. Uh, didn't pray that much about my own, but I prayed a lot about the church finances and that kind of thing. Later on, I began to pray about my own. But in, in the church, I would pray, Lord God, we need this amount of money. We need to do this. We started a church. There wasn't nobody here. Didn't have any money. Didn't have any way to keep the lights going or anything like that. I borrowed $4,000. Uh, when we started, I had some music equipment that I set up in the church, a few things like that. Some people uh, were good to us and blessed us and helped us and that kind of thing. And we start, started with nothing. I would be praying for money. Lord God, it would be great this week if in the offering, wow, Lord God, I'm believing you, Lord God, would you just send in $500 this week? $500, Lord. That's what I'm believing for, $500. I believe I can have what I say, and I say we're going to have 500 I would pray for that 500 And you know what? Uh, after that, you know, if we just received $500 offering, that would be an insult after that. Because we grew. Amen. And then I started praying for more than 500. I started praying for 1,000. Oh, God, we need 1,000. Now we need 1,000. Now we need 2,000, Lord. Now we need this. Now we need that. And begin praying for all those kind of things as I uh, begin to pray for it along the way. But it had to increase because if I just stayed back there, yeah. believing God for our church, receive 500, you know, we would not be where we are today, sitting on $3.5 million worth of property, um, paid for and everything. We wouldn't be here. But we, we got there because there was some growth that took place. Yeah. Growth happened over the years uh, in the area of faith and the area of believing God for finance. That took place, and that happened. And I remember one time I was praying. I was talking to God, Lord God, I, I do this. I said, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, the Bible tells us that you are Jehovah Jireh. You provide for all of my uh, needs, Lord God. You told Abraham that, provided lamb for him. And Lord God, he said that that's who you are, and you are my Jehovah Jireh. And I believe that you provide in the wonderful name of Jesus. And so, Lord God, I'm asking you for $1,000. Lord God, give me $1,000. Give me $1,000, I want to say $1,000, $1,000. I'd say it over and over and over again. I'd say, I believe that I expect it. I expect it to come in. Now, that's just a small part of my prayer. Don't think I'm praying all day long for $1,000. I wasn't. A lot of other stuff I pray for, okay? But I am praying for money. It's, it's okay to pray for money. Somebody say amen. amen. It's all right to pray for money. All the people don't believe it's okay is people that, uh, you know, ain't never been without. If you've been without, you know it's okay to pray for some money. You really do. But I'm praying for thousands, and the Lord just sort of tugged at my spirit and said, why are you praying for thousands of dollars? You, you, you said you want to have thousands of dollars. Why are you want that? And the Lord just took my heart and said, how much is church worth now? And at that point, it's worth, at that point, it's worth a little bit over a million dollars. I said, a little bit over a million dollars. He said, well, why are you still praying for thousands? Amen. Lord God, give me millions of dollars, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Lord God, I believe in millions. Everybody say millions. Say amen. amen. And millions not much money anymore. It's just not. I mean, you can be a millionaire pretty easy. It's not hard to be a millionaire. It's pretty easy to be a millionaire. All it takes is a you know, pretty nice house, a couple of cars, a little bit of land, 401k in the bank. You know, and you got about a million dollars. I mean, it's, it's not that hard. So we need to recognize in Scripture, it, it's, it's good to have the promise that God provide your needs. God do this for you and God do that for you. But it's better to experience it. And that's where we need to be in our lives, at this place of experiencing the Word of God. We grow. We don't get there 
overnight as such. You don't just walk into things of God or get a revelation of the Word of God concerning a certain area. You, you might have certain things happen to you, say, in your body physically. And you might think, well, you know, I want to have perfect health in my body. I want to be without sickness and disease. I, I, I need that. I really do. And may, maybe you really do. Sure, absolutely. But you may have to start believing God and trusting God. I read about four different accounts. They're on my desk right now at home. And I read them this week, four different books, four different people talked about it the same way. Ken Hagen mentioned it like this. Ken Hagen said this, that most of the people, and this great revelation the Lord gave me, most of the people, he said, that were healed in his ministry were healed through the teaching of faith on the Word. Not through the laying on of hands. Ken Hagen, yeah, I can show you the quote. Open the book on it. I read almost the same thing that I read from Gordon Lindsay, who when Gordon Lindsay started the Voice of Healing way back in 1948 or around 47 when these ideas were in his heart and mind. But when Gordon Lindsay, Gordon Lindsay founded the Voice of Healing, he became deathly sick. Imagine this, becoming deathly sick, believing in healing, believing in prayer and uh, that kind of thing, but was about to die. And... His friend, imagine this, having a friend named John G. Lake. And John Lake called him up in, uh, in Washington State at that time, I believe, to where they were, and said, come on up to the house and stay with me a couple of weeks, and we'll just pray that you get better. Okay. And so he went up to his house and went to bed when he got there, and he was in the bed the whole time, the whole two weeks he was there, and uh, praying. And John Lake now, John, I mean, John Lake is a mighty man of God, would pray for him every evening, every, every evening. And, and Gordon would finally say, you know, I'm expecting to get healed. And never did through that two weeks. But along about the second week when Gordon's laying there, and uh, he felt that the Lord asked him, Gordon, when are you going to be healed? And Gordon said, well, I don't know. We're doing all we can right now. It looks like I'm about to die. And he said, won't you go ahead and be healed right now? And he said, how? He said, well, open the Bible. Gordon opened the Bible. It fell on a certain passage of Scripture. He read the passage. He said, well, yeah, that's me then. I'm healed. Amen. And just as sick as he ever was, as much trouble as he ever was in, in the house of John Lake. And he got up there and called for the people that were around him, that were carrying him, said, bring me my clothes. I'm going to get up. He said, the precious lady that came in, the bring clothes, said, no, you don't need your clothes. Lay there. We, we don't want you up. You'll fall down. You can't stand up. Lay there. And he said, no, nah, I want my clothes. Go get my clothes for me. Finally, he went and got his clothes for him. He began to put him on. He got his feet on the side of the bed, and he said when his feet, he couldn't feel them from his, from his waist down. And when he put his feet down on the side of the bed, when his feet hit the bottom of the floor, he said, you know, he, he fell down to his knees. But he grabbed a hold of the bedpost and said, I am healed because God's Word says I am, and pulled himself up. And when he pulled himself up, his body began to tremble and shake, and just as shaky as it was, and like that, and he sort of began to stagger and walk just a little bit. And uh, he walked in and finally got himself from the bed into the area that they were in and said, I want something to eat. They said, well, you had not been able to keep anything on your stomach. You had not been able to eat anything. You sure you want? Yeah, I want something to eat. And they fixed him something to eat, and he ate it all, kept it all down, and said, I'm still hungry. I want something more. They said, that's all you better eat right now. Remember, when you've got faith and you step out on your faith, everybody else don't step out with you. And they said, that's all you better eat right now. You can do damage yourself. But he said, oh, oh no, 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 what's more? And, and they wouldn't give him anything else more. So just a little at a time, and that's all right, we can grow. But a little at a time. And so finally he said he left the store in that day, and this is back in 48. And in that day he left, and he went to the grocery store and got himself there, and he said he bought a sack of tomatoes and come back home and eat a whole sack of tomatoes. And he said he got better and better and better and better and better until finally he was healed and never had any other problem with that. But he got it 
as he believed on the word of God himself. Amen. This is what the Lord spoke to me. A lot of people will read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they will see the ministry of Jesus, and they will be asking for healing as if they are under the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And with power, who went about doing good and healing all the oppressive devil, for God was with him. Amen. Jesus was operating during his earth life, operating during those times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, under a gifted or in giftedness of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Whenever you ask someone to pray for you, they may not have a gift of the Spirit. And yet you're expecting a gift of the Spirit to come work for you that will cause your healing an instantaneous thing rather than acting on your own faith. Amen. I've read it by numbers and numbers of people. Some I've met personally. But I've read it by a number of people that you would think, well, you've got this gift and you're operating in your life and you still have this problem in your body physically? You've got this happening in your life. And what God requires is this. No matter what blessing God endows with men and women, He still requires us all to live by faith. Amen. 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 And living by faith, as we begin to live by faith, we may have an issue or a problem or something in our life. And, and, and at that point, at that point in our life, when we see that and it happens to us, we may have that issue going on in our life and we begin to live by faith and we don't see the results right off. But we keep on going by faith, and then we see it come into our life. Amen. Come into our life completely. Amen. It was probably, I think, about four years ago when we had a physical then. Doc said, blood pressure looked like a little bit high. He said, you want me to subscribe to a little bit of medication? I said, no, don't do that. I said, let me see what I can do about it. And I'm going to pray about it and talk about it and see what we need to do. And then we'll let you know. If you come back and you've got a problem, I'm going to do what you say. Well, that was four years ago, and I had a problem with it since then. Now, I had a problem because I, I know what to do. Now, did it happen instantly? No, but it happened as you stood on faith and believe in God for it. You, you have to do that. You have to stand on faith in your life. Everything just don't happen instantly. Now then, once again, if you've got one of these wonderful ministers that are ordained of God and got tremendous gifts working through their life, you can see pretty much on the spot instantly that kind of thing can happen for you. Uh, but then again, your faith is still going to be tested and tried even after that amazing thing that, that happens in this world. And so we've got to realize we've got to get into the Word and grow in that Word. Yes, Continually grow in that Word. Let me just give you one place, and you can go with me there, and we're going to close right there. Look with me to where I need to be. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Turn there. Proverbs chapter 2. In other words, the Bible says this, and why are you going to Proverbs 2? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, All the promises of God are in Him, yes and amen. amen. Everybody say yes and amen. Yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. In other words, Brother E.W. Kenyon said it like this, I have it now. I have it now. I'm not waiting to get it. I got it now. Now, your body might not know it right yet, but it will. It will. If you continually know it in your heart and spirit, it will. It will. You will bring it to pass if you'll do what God tells you to do in your heart and life. God's the one to do it, not me, you, but God will make it happen when we honor His Word. And so rather than living in the past, rather than living in just do's and don'ts, Rather than just looking for a promise that we don't possess, why not live into the area of, I have it now. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Right now. Everybody say right now. Right now. Say it South Carolina style. Right now. Right now. 
Right now. That's right, right now. Right now. All right. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, there's a few steps he gives in just these few verses that how to receive the word of God in your heart and your life. Notice verse 1. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words. First of all, receive the word of God. Don't argue with the word of God. Somebody gets in the words and says, yeah, but. A lot of people miss a lot of blessings because they're butting the word of God. Yeah, but. You don't know my case. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know my situation. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know how difficult it is. You don't know the problems I face. Yeah, but. Just go ahead and receive the word of God. I've done this before in my life. I've done, Lord, I have to be honest with you, Lord, I don't, I don't have it. I don't see how I'm going to get it. I don't understand it, but you said it, and you tell the truth, and if I'm saying anything different than your truth, I'm the one that's a liar, so i got to quit lying. And so I stop right now. I receive it in Jesus' name. I don't know all about it, how to have understand it, but, but that's what you say, so that's it. End of story. You ask me, did, did I experience No. I've got no. But God says I do, so he's the one to tell the truth, not me. I've been at that place before. Start out that place. Just receive what the Bible says. Don't make it so hard and don't make it so difficult. I was debating with a, a fellow who's a, a Bible teacher out in the Midwest uh, earlier this week, and he was giving so many theological concepts that I've studied all of them. That he, I knew exactly where he's coming from. And, and he, he, could, he could talk to you for, you know, 10, 20 minutes uh, about things and never get one verse of Scripture. And I said, I hear everything you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I've heard what you said before. I've written. I got a moment study now. I got the same books you studied. I got them. Uh, I, you know. But but the thing is, this, here's what God's word said. Amen. And I'm just going to go with what God's word said about it, yes. not what men said about God's word, but what God actually said. Amen. It's a whole lot simpler life that way, and I've never seen it fail. Right. And so, just receive the word of God. Notice that, my son, if you'll receive my word. Now, notice the second thing he said: and hide my commandments within you. Hide the word of God in your spirit. Receive, yeah, God, you said it, but don't let it just be he said it. Take it and hide it in your heart. Oh, God, that's what you said. I believe it, Lord God. You said by your stripes I'm healed. So, body, you're healed in the name of Jesus. You are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. You are healed. One of the things that took the test, uh, went to our thing, and the lady gave him the eye test, said, 2020, and she told me 2020. Now, you know, I'm older now, and that medicine bottle, which I don't look at, but that, I'll just give you an example of that prescription or a little small print. If I had to read a little something like that, I might have to have a little bit of reading, reading glass to get that. Now, that's small nowadays because of my age since I've got into my 40s. But anyway, when I look at something along that line, it's a little different. But she said, 2020, you can see. I said, well, thank God. Thank God I can see. And if I can stop my hair from turning gray and turning loose, I'm working on that too. But some of these old age issues are hard to face. But anyway, if you face them and you can do them better than me, good. Stay with it. God bless you. But I'm, I'm there. But we take that word and we hide in our heart. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I am healed. I am whole. In the name of the Lord, I'm well. Thank you, Jesus. And whatever my, my body or my foot or my other foot or my head or ears, whatever it might be, Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm healed. Amen. And I'm going to meditate on it. To I believe that stronger than anything else anybody else can say to me. I believe it so strongly it becomes my reality. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6. Mark 9, 23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible unto him that believes. 
I've got the word on it, so I'm going to stand in faith on the word. Look at, look at verse, verse 2, Proverbs 2, verse 2. So that you incline your ear. Incline to hear the word of God. Make a special effort. Lean toward the word of God. It's not, it won't happen by itself. You'll be flooded with everything else in this world. All the, everything that television can tell you, radio can tell you, everybody can tell you. Lean toward the Word. Make a special effort to incline your ear toward the Word of Almighty God, verse 2. And look at the rest of verse 2, that it says this, and your ear unto wisdom, and apply the heart to understand. Apply it to your life. Don't just look at it and say, ain't that good, ain't that real. Try it out. Test it out. The Bible says in what, Malachi 3.10, Prove me here with saith the Lord of hosts. That when we give the tent. If I want to open your windows of heaven and pour you a blessing, what will you receive? He said, prove me. Test him. Try and see. Apply it to your life. Do some of it. Do some of the things that, that God says that you ought to do. Give it a try. Yeah. See if it were. Apply it to you. Apply it to you. When you believe in God for something, you don't have to rush out and buy something on credit. Say, Lord God, hey, I don't have the money right now, but Lord, give me that money to buy what it is I'm asking you for. It's a good thing. It's okay. Nothing wrong with it. Not sinful. Lord God, I'm believing you to give it to me. When, and then see God put something in your life. See God give you something. Apply it to your life. See how it works? Don't just rush, 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 rush uh, straight to the things of the world and say, they said do it, so I'm, I'm going to do it, I guess. No, no, no. Do the Word of God. Apply the Word of God in your life. Look at the fifth thing. Notice this. Yet if you cry after knowledge, cry after it, pray after it. Oh, God, I need to know. And the Bible says we will know if we follow on to know, the minor prophet said. Follow, God, I need to know. I need an answer, Lord. I need you to talk to I need to hear the word of the Lord in my heart and life. Follow after the word of God. Pray about it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. This is what you said. And pray the word. Instead of praying what you say or what I say or what we think, pray the word of God in your life. You're already praying the answer. Pray the word of God. Pray the word of God. And number six that I see here, it says in, in, in verse four, it says this, if you will seek her as silver... And search for her as a hidden treasure. Value it. Value the Word of God in your life. Value the Word of God. Let it be something that you cherish. And I'm not just talking just about a, a book with leather. This one happens to be your paper or, or that kind of thing. And I've probably got 120-something of these now. But, uh, and a book on iPad. I, mean, I love them all. But, it, but it's the Word of God that comes out of them. Value that in life. I love the Word of God. What is it? Problem arises. Hey, let's go to the Word and find out what God said about it. Situation come against you. Maybe it did. Let's go to the Word of God and see what God's answer is to it. I value that because it can do a lot of things in your life. And finally, the last thing, verse 5. Then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. Amen. Then I will. I hope we move to that place where we understand God. We have a reverence, a godly fear of the Lord, of course. He's our Father. We love Him. And then we understand the knowledge of God. We found it. We know what God said about the circumstance situation. You do that, this life, this world won't make a lot of sense to you. But the things of God will make perfect sense to you. When you get your mind renewed and you found what God says about it, you got his knowledge flowing in your heart and your life, and you're living his way, everything's going to be okay. And I've noticed this so much over the last year and a half. You can just look at it. You just look at it. You know, the people that are in the greatest fear are the people that do not know their God. The people that know their God, they're not saying they're oblivious to the world. They're not just crazy people. But the people that do know their God, they don't walk in fear. Because they know in the final analysis, everything's going to be okay with them. God's going to take care of them. And I believe God takes care of all of us, don't you? 
Absolutely, absolutely. So grow in the Bible. Grow in the Word of God till you get to that place. Stand with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord and ask God's blessings on us. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you've been viewing online today, we're so happy that you're part of the service today. And uh, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you today, make Jesus Lord of your life. All you've got to do is just bow your head simply say, Lord Jesus, come to my heart and my life. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. And if you'll do that, he'll come into your heart, he'll come into your life. And if you pray that prayer with us today, we, we bless you today in the house of God. We bless you online today. Let us know any way that we can help you and be part of life. Anything we have, everything we have is yours today. Nothing costs you anything. Nothing is, costs anything at all. So God bless you. We can help you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to share this simple word this morning. And I pray that every one of us evaluate our lives and find out the place that where we are right now. And God, that we might take the second step, the third, the fourth, the fifth, on and on with you, Lord Jesus, that we might walk closer to you daily, every day in our life, Lord God, knowing you, loving you greater, Lord God, and Lord God, just giving our all to you in a greater way every single day of our life. Everybody pray this prayer with me in the congregation, okay? Everybody say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Say this, say, Lord God, I want to know you. I want to know you more. And I give you everything I am. And Lord, I ask you to develop in me, grow in me, your almighty word, so that truly the word of God might be working mightily in my heart and my life. I give you praise. I give you glory. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. Come on one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 